You've worked hard to build your business, and now it's time to grow. Welcome to the Multiply Your Success Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team and a serial entrepreneur. And the purpose of our podcast is to give you a weekly dose of inspiration and education to help you take that next step in your expansion journey. And today, as we get started, the question I want to open up with is all relating to culture. And do you even know what it means? It's a big buzzword. It's a lot of companies, people, experts, blogs, articles, reporters talking about culture. But does anyone talk about what it is? What does that actually mean? How do you create it? How do you even know if you have a culture? These are questions that I've been wondering as well, which is exactly why I wanted to bring our guest on to the podcast. And our guest is David Friedman, and he is an expert at culture, not only helping you identify culture, but really infusing culture into your company. And that's exactly why I wanted him to come on to the show and to be a guest. He he runs a company called CultureWise, culturewise.com. He's written several books on the topic and just provides a great framework for how you can get started on actually taking your values, your mission, your and so on, and creating a real lasting culture. So let's go ahead and jump right into the interview here. Glad to be with you, first of all. Um, I am in the Philadelphia area. I sp- I'm in my second career, but the first career led to the second career. So I spent 27 years building an employee benefits consulting company that I grew from a couple people to a little over 100 people. And we were very successful. We were a bunch of times named one of the best places to work in the region, fastest growing companies, all kinds of awards we won. But the foundation of all of our success, everything that we did that made us successful was based on the culture that we had created in that company. And as the CEO of that company, I did a lot of things in a very intentional way to make it happen. I eventually sold that company to a large multi-billion dollar publicly held company, retired from that industry and ended up writing my first of several books about the things we did that made us so successful. That book led to people asking me to speak. As people heard me speak, people said, hey, that's pretty interesting. Could I hire you to help me do that in my company? And the next thing I knew, I was in my second career. And so the, the things that I teach people, which are centered around, okay, we all know the culture is important. How do you go about purposely, by design, systematically, creating the culture that you want instead of having it by accident. I teach people how to do that. And of course, with so many of your audience members being franchise folks, the ability to replicate what you're trying to get is absolutely critical. And I teach people how to do it. So I've I've done over 500 workshops on this material. I've written three books. I've worked with hundreds of companies. I've built another company all around. Okay, what did I learn about how do you build a really high-performing culture in a company? Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And, you know, I, I, I'm just thinking from a, to take a step back. So this idea of culture is mm-hmm. it, it, it's a hot topic right now. So what, yes. you know, I guess just from, from a total baseline, what is corporate culture? What does that even mean? That's a good question. Cause if we don't know what it means, it's hard to talk about it. And, 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 it's, <laughs> and I would tell you that one of the biggest reasons that organizations don't know what to do about their culture is what you just asked. They don't even know what it is. If we don't even know what it is, if it's just 
you know, this touchy feely, like amorphous thing flying around our company, like pixie dust, then I don't know what the heck to do about any of that. So here's my definition of culture. Yeah. And, and I think, sorry to interrupt there, but I I really do think that, you know, we work largely with uh, entrepreneurs and small business owners, and you start hearing this idea of culture and that's you use, you know, pixie dust and fluffy stuff. It's like, well, what does that actually mean? So sorry to interrupt, but you, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. So here's my my definition of culture. I say that the culture and organization is the set of principles that drive or that govern the behavior that people have in a given context. So it's the principles that govern the behavior that shows up. So it's about behavior. It's what do people actually do? And when I say in a given context, I say that because the same people will behave differently in different places. So you go into work and there's a way that we do things here. When you're with your buddies from college and at the bar, you might behave differently. When you're with your family, you might behave differently as well. So the context is important. So in a given organization, there's a set of guidelines about how we operate here. And that's really what the culture is. And the reason, by the way, that this definition is so important is if we think of culture as the magic pixie dust and nothing more than that, I don't know what to do with any of that. As soon as we see culture as a set of behaviors, well, that's not so difficult to do something about. I could establish a set of behaviors and I can find a way to teach those behaviors and have those behaviors become ingrained in our people. And it's not that difficult to do. So as simple as what you're asking is, it actually is essential that we understand what we mean by culture. Otherwise, we can't do anything about it. And a lot of people are thinking culture is having a ping pong table in the reception area or having pizza every Friday and all that other BS. That's not culture. Culture is what are the behaviors that are going on in this organization? Well, well, that's interesting. And that kind of leads me to think, okay, you know, you hear this culture, this whole idea, and then people say, well, what's your mission, your vision, your values? And, you know, I guess as people are, you know, as I'm thinking about it, why is that not enough? Why isn't just, you know, you have your values, you have your, these things in place. So is that it? Is that what I need? Is that the secret sauce? Yeah, great question. So I would say that um, when I look at what isn't enough, why do companies, why aren't they as successful at building a culture as they'd like to be? I think that there are, there are several ways that companies try to do this and that fall short. And I'll explain to you what they try and why they fall short and what the what the antidote to that is. What's the alternative? So the first thing that companies do is many companies try to, they hope their culture evolves by example. You know, when you're small, you to a degree, you can get away with that. You're a small company, you got five or 10 people, everybody sees you, you're the leader, Tom, and whatever you do, that kind of sets the tone and we all pick up on it. And that's okay when you're small, it's not the best, but when you go from 10 people to 50 people or 200 people, or you're a franchise and you now have 11 locations instead of one, or maybe you made an acquisition or maybe COVID caused most of your people to be remote, well, leadership by example isn't gonna get it done because I'm not even seeing you anymore. So that's not enough. Second thing companies try to do is that they often will try to create visions and missions with the belief that if I give people a compelling why, you know, Simon Sinek and his why stuff, if they have a compelling reason why they're here, well, that's going to be enough. 
And I would say, well, that's a good start, but there's a lot of people that know why we're here and they don't do the day-to-day things that are necessary to be successful. So it's helpful to have a purpose or a meaning, but that's not enough to get everybody every day to do the things I want them to do. The third thing sometimes people do is they will create a set of core values and they'll try to stipulate, well, this is what we're all about. And that's a good start. But the reason that that falls short is really two reasons. One is that the typical core values that companies come up with tend to be so broad and nebulous that they mean too many different things to different people. So I'll give you a simple example. Many companies will have a core value for respect. We should all respect each other. Sounds like a great idea. But what does that word mean? It means different things to different people. If you live in Atlanta where you are, you know, many children were grew, that grew up in the South were taught that when you speak to an adult, you call them sir or ma'am. It's disrespectful not to do that, right? Yep. Do that in the Northeast where I live. It's just freaking weird. It has nothing to do with respect. There's just different norms. So we all have different ideas of what the word respect means or what does service mean or what is integrity. They all mean so many different things. It's very difficult to coach people about their values. Behaviors though, and I make this big distinction between values and behaviors, behaviors are actions. They're things I can see people doing. So let me give you an example. Some of the behaviors I teach in my company are things like honor commitments. That's something you actually do. Practice blameless problem solving. Get clear on expectations. Be a fanatic about response time. These are actions. Actions, behaviors, because they're actions, are much easier to teach and coach and guide and give people feedback about. So the behaviors, it's seeing culture through a behavior lens, behaviors bring much more clarity to what we want people to do. So the the idea of articulating values is the right idea. The idea being, gee, we want to be clear about what the, you know, what is it that, what are the principles that are important here? The problem is that the way they're usually done are too vague. Behaviors bring a level of clarity to what those expectations are that make it a lot easier to operationalize. But there's there's one other, I want to mention one other thing yeah. that that keeps people from being successful. And that is. It's great to have a nice list, whether we call them values, behaviors, or anything else. But unless we have a consistent way to teach it to people, putting them on the wall or on the website doesn't make it live in people. And so what most organizations do is they put up those core values and their vision and their mission. They put it on their website or on their walls and think, okay, I'm done. We got the culture thing done. Well, how many times have you learned anything really well just because it was posted on a wall? I mean, if you're trying to learn to be a great piano player and somebody says, well, here, I'll put some instructions on the wall, that's not going to make you a great piano player. You're going to have to practice it a lot. So if we don't have some methodology to practice the behaviors that drive our culture, they're not going to become real. And most companies don't. And I have a methodology where I teach them how to do that. Ah, really, really interesting. Well, I I love your perspective on this. I've never... Uh, thought of it in that way, but just thinking about the idea of values, because we've done the same exercise internally at our company. We have values and we've tried to make it more than just beyond your classic, like you said, respect or integrity or, you know, some of these that you see all over the place, but to to try to make it. But I this has caused me to think about reframing it internally for our own company to say, ah, 
here's how we need to reframe it, thinking of it as a behavior um, yes. to to help simplify it. Now, I think that's a great uh, takeaway, great lesson here for for us to uh, to be thinking about and implementing our own companies. So that that's great advice. Now, the, the second piece of that is equally important, and that's this yep. idea of practice. So yes, if you bring more clarity to, let's just take your company, Tom, and you bring more clarity to your expectations for people, how you want them to be behaving, you're going to be a lot better off than the vague values. But that's not enough. Okay, right. I brought them more clarity. They still have to practice. The only way you get good at anything is by practicing. So how do we do that? So right. there's a very simple concept that I teach people. It's so simple, but when I explain it, you'll see how powerful it is. And I call it creating rituals. So a ritual to me is some kind of a routine, a habit that we're in. You know, we get up in the morning, we brush our teeth. We go to a ball game, we do the national anthem. When we were kids in school, we used to say the Pledge of Allegiance. They're routines. The reason that rituals are so powerful and so important to success is that most human beings stink at sticking with things. We come up with all kinds of wonderful ideas and then we get busy and life gets in the way and we stop doing them. When something becomes a, a ritual or routine or a habit, it's not hard to do. It's just what we do. You don't struggle, I don't think, you don't struggle to brush your teeth in the morning. It's just part of your routines. You just get up. Yeah, that's right. I confirm. I brush twice and floss twice. My dentist is listening. The floss thing. You're you're crazy. (laughs) You're over the top. But yeah, these these are just routines. So when something becomes a routine, it's not hard to do anymore. So here's how we use this concept. What I teach people to do is to create a list of the behaviors that define their culture. And I give those behaviors a name. It's just my own nomenclature. I call them fundamentals because I think they're fundamental to success. So we take these fundamentals, we roll them out into in really engaged sessions, and then we begin, here's the real key, is we begin to focus on one fundamental each week through a series of rituals. So week number one, everybody in the company in every location, so think about your franchises, every location, all week long, everybody in the company is focusing on fundamental number one. And I'll give you an example of a ritual in just a moment. The next week, All week long, everybody in the company is focused on number two. And the week after that, number three and four and five, until we get to the end of the list of whatever number we have. And then we go back to the beginning and we do it over and over and over and over again forever because that's how it sinks in. So let me give you a simple example. One of the rituals that I do in my company and pretty much all of our clients is that every time we have a meeting in our company this week, any Zoom meeting, personal meeting, any meeting going on this week, the first agenda item of the meeting is the fundamental of the week. And we spend the first three to five minutes talking about it. So my fundamental of the week this week is called honor commitments. Do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. It's a big deal to me. So every meeting anywhere in my company, I had a meeting last night with my leadership team. We kicked off the meeting, spending five minutes talking about it. So what makes it so hard? Like, what, how come we don't always honor our commitments? How come we make commitments we shouldn't make sometimes? And all, there's, all, there's so many nuances to this. And we, we spent three or four or five minutes talking about it, and then we moved on. We don't want to take over the meeting. But every meeting everywhere in my company this week starts with a discussion of honor commitments. Next week, every meeting starts with another one. It's just our routine. So the idea is if we could create a number of rituals 
that give us lots of chances all week long to think about and talk about and work on and really practice this week's fundamental. And we do the same with next week's and the next week, and we keep cycling through them over and over and over again. Sooner or later, these fundamentals, these behaviors are going to become internalized in our people. And that's the whole point. The point isn't to have them on the website. The point is to have it live in our people. That's pretty simple. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. I, I love all of that. And it's so simple. And yet, like you said, so difficult because these are not habits yet. They're not ingrained in us. And really just thinking from a practical standpoint, just something even, you know, you could have literally a 30 minute meeting with your team and sit down and uh, say, okay, here are the values. Here's what we're doing. Let's kind of hash this out. And you could probably pretty quickly at least get a starting point to get these conversations started for those three to five minutes pretty, pretty quickly, I would imagine. You could. So it's not hard to do, but I will tell you that this is a leadership function. So right. you don't want the whole team. You want your leadership team. Okay. Um, because at a certain level, and it's a mistake I see many organizations make is they'll do this big survey or get all their employees involved and ask them what they think the values are around here. And this is, I don't mean this in a derogatory way. I don't care what they all think the values are around here. If you're a leader, it's your job to say, well, what's the kind of company I want to build around here and to put that out there and to get people who want to go there as opposed to asking them all what they'd like. Um, it's a leadership function. Great. Well, I, I love that. Well, and, you know, in, in terms of doing something like this with, you know, obviously your company specializes in helping people go through this process. So if they yes. want someone, you know, a guide, a coach, consultant, a support in going through that, your company helps with that. Um, what would be a first step for just someone in general uh, that they might be able to take to just take that first step to kind of yeah. get this process going? Great question. The first step, Tom, is you, as simple as it sounds, you've got to define the behaviors that are important. Um, everything else flows from that because if we don't have enough clarity about what it is we want people to be doing, everything else is irrelevant. I can't hire people who are a good fit if I don't know what a good fit is because I've never defined it. I can't coach people about it if I don't know what I'm coaching because I've never defined it clearly enough. I can't have people practicing it about it. You've got to start by defining what is it that you say, if I could get my people doing this consistently, watch out, we'd be incredible. And a good way just to give a tip on that, a good way to start the thinking about that is to picture your best employees. So everybody listening to this, You've got at least one or more people, probably in every department in your company, who you wish you could clone. The people who say, boy, if I had three more women like her, we'd be amazing. Or two more guys like that guy, we'd be unbelievable. Picture your absolute best people. What do they do that makes you wish you could clone them? Oh, you should see her. She always does. Blah, 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 blah. Well, that's a pretty good list of behaviors. Sometimes picturing real people makes it a little bit easier to brainstorm it than it just being this abstract idea in your brain. So a good starting point would be identify who are the best people in your company who you wish you could clone and what do you visually see them doing? What are the behaviors they do that make them so clonable? That's a pretty good start on thinking of the behaviors. I'll give you one other quick tip on that. Yeah. 
another, if I'm, I'm one of your audience members and I'm thinking about, all right, I got to brainstorm my behaviors. How do I do that? Here's my, I'll give you two other questions to ask yourself. Second question to ask yourself after who do I want to clone? Second question to ask yourself is, what are the things that drive me crazy? There are certain things that, that when we see people do these things, they drive us nuts. Well, if they drive you crazy, you have some energy about that. What's the opposite of that? If they weren't doing that thing that drives you crazy, what would they be doing instead? That's probably a pretty important behavior. Third one, third question I would ask myself is, what are things that you go on rants about? And if you're not sure, ask the people around you. There goes Tom. He's on one of his kicks again. Well, you wouldn't rant about it if it wasn't important. That's why you're ranting about it. That's probably a pretty important thing. So just use a couple of questions like that are good sort of prompts to brainstorm. What are the behaviors that are really important in this organization that would make us that much more successful? That's the first step. Wow. Thank you. That's absolute. That's just gold. I think that's fantastic. Thank you for that. And this is a great transition point to talk in, to move into the formula for the show where we talk about our, this idea of misses, makes, and multipliers. And we ask every guest the same question. So you're in the hot seat and, right. uh, <laughs> I'm good with that. yeah, we'd, we'd love, you've had, a, you've had an impressive career, uh, building and growing multiple brands and companies, helping your clients, building culture. And one of the questions we ask everyone is, did you have a miss or two along the way? And maybe something that you learned from it. Hmm. So I'm going to cheat. Since I'm on the hot seat, I'm allowed to cheat, right? It, what, it, hey, anything goes. <laughs> All right. So here's my cheating. So you hear people talk a lot about learning from their mistakes. Um, hey, you know, learn to fail and fail off and all that kind of stuff. And I actually think that very few people, well, I would say that the most successful people actually don't make many mistakes or they don't fail they just have experiences and some work out the way you thought and some don't and you learn from all of them. I also think that you can learn as much or more from your successes as your failures if you are reflective and thoughtful about it. And so I would tell you that as I look back over my career, I'm just, I mean, I'm not suggesting I'm perfect and didn't make any mistakes, far from it. I'm sure I made some, but I can't even think of many that most of what I did worked really well. But I think that 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 because I'm particularly reflective and introspective, I would do things that worked well, and I'd think, wow, that was really interesting. I wonder why that worked so well, because there must be underlying principles here that are at play that I didn't know them. I was just being instinctive, but there's things going on here. If I could reflect on those and articulate those and then start to teach them to the people around me, we could start doing these things more purposefully. So I actually learned a lot more from my successes than my mistakes. But I'll, I'll just to, to, to play your game, since I want to be a good guest, I'll tell, if I were to give you one mistake I made, it would mostly be about hiring, um, that hiring people from time to time who I didn't appreciate weren't as good a fit in our culture as they should have been and maybe making the mistake to not appreciate how important that was. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. And sometimes you hire, you, you get caught up with, uh, uh, someone who's 
submitted, you're, you're interviewing, they've got all the credentials, they've got great references, and there's just something that isn't a fit, and you yes. bring that person on board. I, I know I've done it. I, I, I'm sure folks listening in have done the same thing, and they get yeah. in and you realize, oh boy, uh, this is not going to work out. And it's not because they aren't talented. It's not because they don't have the right uh, credentials or whatever it might be. It's just culture, you know, tying back to what you're doing, but it's just culturally, it's they're, they're just not fitting in with the rest of the rest of the team. So I get that. Yeah. Um, well, and how about this idea of uh, make you kind of sh- danced into that a little bit on your last answer, but was there a- anything that maybe happened that was a, a, a make for you that you could share with the audience? I would say that, you know, when I think about how, how I came across this whole culture thing. Um, when I started it, I wasn't calling it culture. I wasn't thinking about it that way. It's that I had, as I began and began to build my company, my first company, I realized that I had very high standards for myself and everybody around me. Um, I just, I like to play at a high level and I just want everybody around me to play at a high level. And I realized that I can't assume that everybody's going to know what that means, that I have to begin to be clear about teaching people the way I want to do things. I wasn't thinking about that as culture. It was just teaching people how I want things done. It was later in retrospect that again, that I began to appreciate that that's really the essence of what culture is. And so I would say what I learned most is that as a leader, I can't assume it goes back to an earlier comment about leading by example. Yes, leading by example is a good thing, but it's not enough. I can't assume that people are just going to, by being around me, figure out what I want, that I have to be crystal clear about the way that we do things around here. And I have to teach and teach and teach and teach and never stop teaching. And I think that's a key lesson I learned early on. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, uh, I, I get it. Totally, totally get it. And it's interesting. I think you're right. Uh, so often you don't realize that you don't realize what you're doing in the moment. You know, you're yes. doing it because you, you need, you have a need, right? You're growing a business or building something. And all of a sudden you're like, no, 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 we need to do it this way. Or you need to re reposition how you're communicating or channeling that in. I, I appreciate that. And, and think about that from the perspective of your particular audience as franchise people. I mean, what's a fran- franchise is about consistency. It's about mm-hmm. creating the same kind of experience for customers over and over and over again, because that's the whole value of the franchise. And so what could be more important in creating consistency than having a clearly articulated set of behaviors that you teach over and over and over again? In the absence of that, what you end up with is the luck of, I got a good person. You know, we happen to hire at that location some really good people and they do things the way I like them to do, but it's just hit or miss based on the luck of who we happen to have. If we're going to build a franchise and have multiple locations, we have to have a consistent way that we do things around here. And that starts with articulating, well, what is it that we do? And then having a structured way to teach it over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. And well, w- let's talk about uh, the multiplier side of things. And uh, sometimes they they kind of, the, the idea of using a multiplier to grow yourself personally, to professionally, growing your business, we get a really wide range of answers. Um, so is there any multiplier that you've used in your career as you've grown personally or professionally? 
I would say probably the biggest multiplier for me came from writing my first book um, that I wrote that book originally, totally honestly here. I wrote that book actually as a closure step. It wasn't intended to be a multiplier. It was only, it happened that way, but that wasn't my plan at the moment as sometimes happens. I wrote that book as a way of wrapping up and capsulizing what I had learned in my first career so I could tie a nice bow on it, put it behind me and go do something totally different. That's what my plan was. But what ended up happening is the book was a multiplier. People started to read it. People got value. It led to speaking and all the other things that I talked about. So it was a fortunate multiplier. It wasn't my smart, brilliant wisdom. It was just luck at the moment. But I realized afterwards, yeah, that's, you know, when you have good ideas, you put them out there and a book's a great way to do that. Wow. Wow. Well, that that's, uh, I, I always think that's interesting. An unintended positive consequence, right? You're, yes, you're here, exactly here you are thinking, is. yeah, you're closing, you're writing kind of a, the final chapter in, in literally and figuratively in the book. Yes. And r- actually it was just the opening. That was just like the prequel exactly that it. you wrote. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the final question we like to ask everyone, David, is what does success mean to you? Success for me, Tom, means sharing the ideas that that I've shared with you with enough people and watching them implement them in their families, in their teams, in their organizations, that the concepts that I teach, I, I was talking to a client uh, this morning uh, and they are just like over the moon excited about what they've implemented and the impact they're already seeing on their organization and the transformative effect it's going to have in the future to just to see their eyes light up and to see how jazzed they are about what's happening in their organization by applying the simple concepts that I teach, that's incredibly rewarding. And so the biggest measure of success to me is when light bulbs go off for people and they apply what I teach and they transform their families and organizations, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, and David, as we kind of bring this to a conclusion here, I'm I'm wondering, is there anything that you maybe were hoping to say or communicate that we just didn't get a chance to get to throughout the interview? Yeah, I would say that, um, here's what I would say. If you want to get And this is, I think, particularly appropriate for franchise. If you want to get a group of people, your team, to operate in some consistent way, and that's all, that's what franchise is about, it just makes logical sense that you would dramatically improve your probabilities of success. And that's all we're doing. We're trying to, you know, increase the odds of success. Humans are weird. They do weird kinds of things. And we don't always control what they're going to do. And so, you know, we're just trying to stack the odds in our favor. That We're going to dramatically improve the odds of success if, number one, we are crystal clear about exactly what we want. Except we usually aren't. We're just annoyed that people aren't being the way we want them to be. And secondly we would dramatically improve the probabilities of success if we not only were crystal clear about what we wanted, but we also had a structured, systematic way to teach those things over 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 and over and over and over again. 
wouldn't that dramatically improve the chances of success? And that's all we've talked about. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah, I, I love that. And and I, I'm a huge fan of simple, practical things that you can do, because if it's anything other than that, it generally doesn't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't. get implemented. That's exactly the, it. Yeah. Pe- people don't want to do it. Your team, they're, they're confused. They're saying, what's going on? I don't understand this. And then they just go back to what they've been doing. Exactly. It's got to be simple or it's not going to work. And this well, is a simple concept. And, and we've created a simple way to help companies do it. Well, great. Well, speaking of that, let's talk about how if someone's interested in learning more yeah. about you, what you're doing, getting a copy of your books, how can they yeah. get in touch with you and learn more about what you have going on? Yeah, great question, Tom. So my website is culturewise, like the word culture and then W-I-S-E, culturewise.com. On our website, my my email address is david at culturewise.com, but the website is culturewise.com. On that website, there are lots of simple videos, simple explanations of the whole concept and how to implement it. It's easy, it's fast, it's incredibly simple. My books are all on Amazon. There's three books. Um, and they're in hardcover, softcover, ebook, and audiobook. Um, the first book was called Fundamentally Different. And the second book was called Culture by Design. The third book is really an updated version. So it's a second edition of Culture by Design with lots of new material in it. Um, so if you look up Culture by Design on Amazon, you'll see it. And again, available in all forms. David, thank you so much again for an absolutely fantastic interview and for sharing your wisdom and your experience with me and our audience. So let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. So the first key takeaway that I took out of the interview was when David actually gave us a definition for what culture is when he described it as a set of principles that govern the behavior that that we exhibit, that we display, that we show. I thought that was great just to hear an actual definition. We hear people talk about it. Well, what what in the world is culture? Number two, I like that he laid out a really simple way to help you figure out some questions to ask to help you figure out and identify your culture. He gave us three steps. Step one was to define what's important. And if you can't figure that out, you can use number two, what drives you crazy? And number three, what do you rant about? What are things that you rant about? And again, if you don't know, ask someone that's close to you, maybe your husband, your wife, your spouse, someone close to you probably already knows that. So I thought that was great. And the third key takeaway that was really wonderful is when he said, you can learn as much from your makes as you can from your misses. You don't have to just make a mistake to learn from it. You can actually have a a win or a make and learn from it if, and this is the big thing that he said, if you are reflective and you need to really reflect back and look at what helped you create that success or that, that make that you were able to secure. I thought that was fantastic. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win comes from when David was talking about focusing on fun fundamentals. And I really like how he does each week at his company, he has a fundamental that he focuses on that all relates back to the company culture, the values, and the behavior that he wants the team of people to be exuding or representing while they're at work and while they're 
doing what they do every day. I thought that was great. And he said, as, as, a, as a leader, you can't assume that people will figure it out. And it was great. You have to be clear. And so doing these weekly fundamental sessions, it's a great way to keep this top of mind. It's creating that practice, that ritual, that regular reoccurring to get it into your day-to-day activity so it becomes a regular behavior. So I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. And that's our episode today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Please give us a review. We would love a review from you to share that. And by the way, if you or someone you know is thinking about franchising their business or taking their company to the next level, we'd love to talk to them at Big Sky Franchise Team. And we look forward to having you back next week. 